Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. And I want to welcome you to this, our continuing study on the pastoral epistles. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're covering Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy and the book of Titus in this study. Primary purpose of this study is the training of men for the ministry, but it's also to remind men of our responsibilities in the ministry. So I hope that this will be a blessing and a help to you as we go through these studies. Now, today we're going to look at the stirring up that's needed in the ministry. And we're going to look at the gift that is given to us in the ministry. You see, those two things are of primary importance. The idea of stirring up the gift that God has given us, and that gift, its purpose is service. So let's get right into our study today. In 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse, let's see, 6. I'm a little confused this morning. Sorry about that. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Paul, speaking to Timothy, says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He wants to remind Timothy. He wants to remind him of his responsibility in the ministry and how he must proceed fearlessly in the ministry. You know, we're to cry aloud like a trumpet as preachers. We're to stand and having done all to stand. We as God's messengers are to deliver the message without fear or favor. Like John the Baptist, we are to stand up in the face of the most powerful in this world and declare the truth of God's word. We must also understand that our salvation is complete. It's finished. We're not waiting to get saved. We are, in fact, saved for all time. The instant we trust Christ as our Savior, we are saved and we're saved for all time because we're saved by grace, not by works. 
That's important to know as we go through this study. The first word in there is wherefore. Wherefore points backwards. Wherefore points, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself on my slides. Wherefore points backwards. It's looking back to what he has said in the previous verses, verses 1 through 5, where he talks about the unfeigned faith which is in, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. So he says, looking back at that, because of the unfeigned faith that was in your grandmother and then in your mother and then in you, and I'm persuaded it's in you. Wherefore, he says, I put thee in remembrance. He is reminding somebody of something so that they will be faithful in the ministry. You know, there comes a time in our lives, many times in the ministry it'll happen, when we need that remembrance. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded where we came from, and we need to be reminded of where we are and where God intends to take us. We need to be reminded to stir up the gift of God. That business about stir up. It's like the priest in the temple. Their job was to keep the fire burning at all times on the altar and on the lamp. And they had to go in and fix the lamps so that they would uh, uh, not burn out, so that they never went out. In fact, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 3 that ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, it was about to happen where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. The lamp was going out. That lamp is a type of the word of God. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God was about to be lost. And God picks out a man, excuse me, he picks out a child that will become a man of God. His name was Samuel. And before that lamp could go out, God spoke to Samuel, called him, and delivered the word of God to him. And Samuel then had to deliver the word of God to the high priest. The truth is, is that the word of God is fast going out in our land. It's being lost 
because we have now, instead of the authority of God's word, we have all these different Bibles that contradict each other. And man becomes the authority. This book right here does not contradict itself. This is God's holy word. This is the authority by which we speak. And I'm talking about the King James Bible, which is the infallible, inerrant, verbally inspired word of God in the English language. God preserved it so that we would have it. In Exodus chapter 27 and verse 20, God tells the children of Israel, Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure oil, olive, beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. You know what? God's purpose is that that lamp would always be burning, never going out. You know what God's purpose in our lives is? Is that this lamp would be constantly burning in our lives, never going out. That we're presenting to men the word of God plainly, simply, clearly, and with authority. We must never allow the word of God to be lost. We must stir up the gift that God has put in us. Never allow that flame to go out. Now, how can we do that? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now notice, here's how you do it. Study. Study. What are you studying? The word of truth. Why? So you rightly divide it. This word right here, has been changed in all in almost all the new bibles the only one that says it is the king james bible it says study the bible tells you much study is a weariness of the flesh god didn't say that this book this bible that we have is some kind of lightweight novel that we can just read. No, this is a book we must study so that we know how to rightly divide it. Anybody who tells you that everything in the Bible belongs to today is lying to you. Because there are things that are written in the Old Testament that do not apply to us. It's not a matter of not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest we die, or or we shall surely die. We've already we've all we're already dead. 
It's a matter of believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You need to study. You need to know what the Word of God says. The book of Ephesians tells you, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So whatever it is, there's something, there's a division there. In the Old Testament, they were told to keep the law. And when they failed to bring a sacrifice to the altar. But when you come into the New Testament, God reveals through the Apostle Paul, in the book of, from, from Romans through, through Philemon, that we're saved by grace through faith and no works. We're not saved by our works. We're not kept by our works. The book of Galatians tells you that. But we're saved by grace through faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says that we are to preach the word. Not only are we to study the word, we are to preach the word. Not just teach, but preach the word. By studying the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, we stir up the gift that it, God has put within us. This gift of God was given Timothy at his ordination. And, Timoth or, and Paul tells Timothy, This charge I commit, commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18. Notice, we're in a war, brother. Kind of messed that one up, didn't I? And we're to war a good warfare. The battle's on. When you pick up this book, and you start paging through it, and you start studying it, you're going to find out there's a war going on. Your flesh isn't going to like this. The world's not going to like this. <laughs> the religious crowd's not going to like this. And if you're going to stand for this, you have to war a good warfare. We need to have the Word of God, study the Word of God, know the Word of God, and present the word of God. The words of the Lord are pure words. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 and 7 says, As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So the words, not just the word, the words of the Lord are pure. And they're purified. Then notice, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. So I have, right here, I have the words of the Lord, the pure words of the Lord, the purified words of the Lord. God keeps them. He guards them. 
and he preserves them. And he's preserved it from all the way back there to today. I have it here. I have the purified. I have the preserved words of God right here. I'm sorry if you don't. Get yourself a King James Bible. You'll have it. They're preserved by God, not by man, by God. As for God, his way is perfect. God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Notice the word of the Lord, which is the words of God, is tried. You know, David, when he was just a boy, fought Goliath. But before he went down there, Saul told him, here, take my armor. David says, I haven't proven it. So he took what he knew, that which was tried. You can't preach this with confidence if you haven't tried it. If you haven't used it, if you haven't studied it, if you don't know it. But when we know what the Word of God says, then we are confident when we go into battle. He says, which is in you. This is this gift that is given to him, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. So it wasn't something that was on the outside, although when you're ordained, they generally, the, the tradition is to give a man a Bible. The point being, this is your tools. This is your tool. This is your sword. This is how you go into battle. It's like the soldier. He's got to know that weapon, know how to use it, and know it from start to finish. Well, as God's soldiers, we've got to know this book. We've got to study it. We've got to know it before we get out there in the battle. And it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation hall, as the old song said. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The Lord, that God hath given us, given us the spirit of fear. Excuse me, I'm reading it wrong. Let me slow down and let's go back and read it again. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He hasn't given, it, given us the spirit of fear. We don't have to live our lives in fear in the ministry. But primarily, we're not to fear man. The fear of man is what's in sight here. Fear of God is correct. That's the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of man, well, the fear of man bringeth a snare. 
but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man. You know, when we allow ourselves to become fearful of men and let that limit what we do for God or what we say in delivering the word of God, that's a snare. When we allow man to become our fear, we enter a trap. I think about when the coronavirus stuff started. I remember they said three months or just a few weeks. And soon it turned into a year. And now many are trying to make it more than that. But here's the deal. They told businesses they had to close, except the big businesses. But the little guy had to close. And they told churches that they had to close. Now comes, what are you going to do? Are you going to obey man or God? Well, the fear of man makes us obey man, not God. And so churches close their doors. We'll just see how it works out. Well, it never works out to enter a trap. Because when you enter a trap, it's going to catch you. And you're not going to get out of it easy. So how do you avoid the fear of man? Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. How do you avoid the fear of man? Put your trust in God. You know what we should have done? And many didn't do. We should have said we ought to obey God rather than man. And we should have kept going. We should have kept preaching. But we entered the trap. And the trap snapped. And now many are suffering for trying to reverse and go the other way. I suppose and probably would be so that we would have suffered if we had go, gone, uh, if we had ignored what the government said and just gone ahead and kept the services going. But we'd have been doing what God told us. Well, you say, what would have happened if you'd gotten sick or if others had gotten sick? Then... We'd have been doing what God told us. And it had been up to God to take care of us. And if he chose that we go through that path, then that's the way we go. The truth is the fear of man and the fear of death is what caused us. To run away. Let's get back. Let's stand up and do what God tells us to do and pay the consequences if that's necessary.
because it will be. Notice what God does give us. He gives us the spirit of power. Power over fear. Power to overcome sin. The Bible says he that is freed, he that is dead is freed from sin. We have power to overcome sin. The Bible says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. The Bible says, yield your members as instruments of righteousness and not as instruments of unrighteousness. So power to overcome sin comes by virtue of the fact of understanding that we're dead. Our life is hid with Christ in God. We have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians tells us. I believe if I'm not, not I believe if I'm correct, that's Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. We have power not only to overcome sin, we have power to preach the word. The Bible says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Notice, we're to preach the word. We're to rebuke and exhort and with all long suffering and doctrine. We're to reprove. That's our job. Yeah, I remember when I was a young preacher. I'll tell you this, and then we'll get on with this with verses two, uh, verses three and four. I remember when I was a young preacher, I took a course on sermon preparation. One of the things the man who was teaching the course said was, if you read the scripture, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He said, if you look up those words, reprove, rebuke, those are negative words. And exhort is only partially positive. So he said, any message that's not more, any message that's not at least two-thirds negative is not of God. It's not doing the job. And yet, how many want a positive message? Now, here's what they do want. For the time will come, the time is here, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Men today won't endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, now notice, it's their lust that's the problem. Shall they heap to themselves, not preachers, teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. There they are, turning away their ears from the truth. They turn away from the truth. What do they turn to? Fables. 
Man today believes fables. He doesn't believe what the word of God says. Here's a fable for you. That man believes and teaches this fact. That man evolved. You know it's a theory that is taught as a fact. I remember when I was in school as a child and they would teach evolution and they said that it was a fact. But then when you studied it, you found out it was a theory. Somebody's lying. They're lying about God. You know why you want to believe in evolution? Because you believe you don't owe God anything, but you owe him your very life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 and 7 says, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. He says, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Notice. He says, I got great boldness of speech. This is Paul talking about preaching. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. You know, this word and this word, joyful and tribulation, generally we don't see them as being equal as being true. But that's what the Apostle Paul says. For when we were come into Macedonia, this is the conditions you're going to face in the ministry. So if you're preparing for the ministry and you're listening to this, this study, then you better listen to what he says, because this is what you can expect. Our flesh had no rest. The flesh is going to get weary. It's going to get worn out. But we are troubled on every side. Without our fightings, within our fears. Notice, our flesh gets no rest. We are troubled on every side. We have fightings without. We have fears within. Brother, that's a good description of the ministry. Because you're going to have fightings without. People are going to fight against you. The world's going to fight against you. The flesh is going to fight against you. Religion is going to fight against you. And within our body of flesh, there's going to be some trembling going on. Nevertheless, in spite of all of that, God, nevertheless, God, that goes together. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you, when he told us your earnest desire, 
your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. He said, God comforted me. He comforted me not only by Titus coming, God sent Titus to comfort, to strengthen. God knows when we need that encouragement. He'll send someone our way to give it to us. But he said his testimony of your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me. That caused me to rejoice that you were praying for me. You cared about me. We want to know that people care. We're human beings. Not only do we have power to serve in the ministry, but we have power to overcome the world. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's the beginning. First, you've got to be born of God. We're told in John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that were born not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ is the one to come? The one who is the Savior and the anointed one of God? Then you're born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we love God. And by the way, you can't love God and not love the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say, oh, I love God. I just don't believe in Jesus. Then you don't love God. It's that simple. The Bible is very clear. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Bible doesn't certainly contradicts man, though. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God. If you love God, you're going to love God's people and keep his commandments. So the scripture is very clear that we love God, we love God's people. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Notice, the victory is ours because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the strength we have. That's the power that God has given us. We have the power To love God. Who is he that overcometh the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 
So we overcome the world by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how we overcome the world. Not only that, he's given us the spirit of love. First is we love God. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We love God. And because we love God, we know whatever comes our, comes our way, that it is going to fulfill the purpose that God has in it in our lives. John 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Notice the connection between loving Jesus and keeping his words. If you love him, you're going to love his words. You're going to keep them. You're going to guard them. We have love for God's children. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. We're going to love God's children. We're going to love the Lord Jesus Christ. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, the Bible says. We're going to love souls. We're going to sow in tears and reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You notice that we're going forth, and we're planting the seed, and we're weeping over souls. You notice that God says that that weeping will be replaced by rejoicing when we bring his sheaves with him. When we see souls get saved because of our service for God and our love for the Savior. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now notice, we're to seek the things that are above. Set your affection. There's that word affection, our love, on things above, not on things on the earth. Things above. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So the reality is, is we'll love heavenly things. If we love the Lord, if we love Jesus, if we love his children, if we love the Savior, if we love God, we're going to love what he loves. We also have the power of a sound mind. You know what? Our minds are broken. We need somebody to fix them. Who better than the one who made them? God. Jesus made us says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 
We know the word of God. We know his truth. And because we know the word of God and his truth, that puts truth in our minds. Study. There it is again. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study that we might rightly divide the word of truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. God's put it into us. He lives in us. And we have his words right here. And it's his mind that opens this book to us through his Holy Spirit. He says that ye be not soon shaken in mind. There's the problem. There, our mind is a problem. Or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. God says, I don't want you shaken in your mind that the rapture has already happened. How do you avoid that? You avoid it by having the mind of Christ. Get into the Word of God and study the Word of God. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. God pure gives us His Word. It's pure. We see it. We, we, we've looked at it. It's purified. We saw that in Scripture. In Psalms, the unbelieving, nothing's pure to them. The unbelieving attack this book. The unbelieving don't believe this book. They don't believe the word of God. The unbelieving reject it. The unbelieving make fun of it. They ridicule it. They change it. They make it say what they want it to say. Why? Because even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Don't be amazed that this world rejects the word of God. Be amazed that God's people reject it. So God says, unto the pure, all things are pure. So we've seen then that we need to stir up the gift. That's the word of God that's within us. The word of God that we have right here in the King James Bible, that he put, puts this in us and stir that up. Don't let the word of God die in you. Don't let it go. Don't let the flame go out. And use that gift. Study the Word of God. Know the Word of God. And use it in the service of God. David studied his weapons. He knew his sling. He knew what he could do with his staff. 
He knew what he could do with a stone. Then he went into service for God with what he knew, and he used it and slew Goliath. Preacher, that's our job. That's our responsibility. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on the pastoral epistles. And don't forget to subscribe and you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released.